1957. Jazz legend, legend Miles Davis is on tour. And, and there's a band that he's traveling around with, and they're playing gigs all across the country. There's this one dude who's on tour with Miles Davis, and, and he's immensely talented. But he begins to struggle with depression. He begins to struggle with addiction. And it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. Eventually, he's strung out on heroin and alcohol to the point where people who knew him during that time said that he kind of vacillated between being erratic and catatonic. And then finally, Miles Davis, a guy who's like not really, you know, a stalwart for things like temperance, uh, peacefulness, evenness, as we'll see in a, a film about his life that John, Don Cheadle is starring in that's going to come out this month. Uh, Miles Davis finally has to say, dude, you got, you got to go home. You got to go home. You can't be out here with us because you are so unhealthy that, that if you keep on down this road, you're going to die. And so this dude, he gets sent home. And when he gets sent home, something very interesting happens. He starts to become very philosophical, and he starts to think, and he starts to, to pray, and he starts to look inside himself. He starts to look at the world around him. He starts to think about this upbringing that he had in the church, in an upbringing that had become uh, so very far away from where he was in 1957. And he would get healthier and healthier and healthier. There would be times where he would backslide back into some of his, his old habits, but then he would get healthier again. And he was on this path to, to redemption, personal redemption, deep redemption, meaningful redemption. And then in 1964, he creates one of the, the, the most influential, powerful, well-known jazz works of all time, A Love Supreme. This man, his name is John Coltrane, or as people call him these days, just train, just train. And that Love Supreme is probably something that you've heard before, at least the refrain, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's how it starts out. There's this rolling percussion, and then da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then for 33 minutes, John Coltrane takes you on a journey. He takes you on a, on a four-part journey. And in that four-part journey, he named those parts. The first part he, he called, he called the, the, the acknowledgement piece. And in the second part, he called it the resolution. And in the third part, he called it the pursuit. And then in the final, when it wraps up with the same refrain that it started out with, he calls it the psalm. And these four parts are but one part that talk about the love supreme. In his liner notes to the love supreme, John Coltrane wrote this, Dear listener, all praise be to God to whom all praise is due. Let us pursue him in the righteous path. Yes, it is true. Seek and ye shall find. Only through him can we know the most wondrous bequeathal. Those liner notes are interesting. You should go Google them sometime because they keep hitting back on this question of what is a love supreme? What is a love supreme? And throughout those 33 minutes of that seminal work, he hits on that, that theme over and over again. Da, 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 da. 
And jazz critics talk about how there was this poem that went with the love supreme. And you don't hear the words of the poem in the work, but John Coltrane played those words with his saxophone. And over and over and over again, he hit back on that theme, what is a love supreme? That's what good artists do. They start out with a theme, and they develop that theme, and that theme builds. And then right when they get to the end of whatever it is that they're trying to communicate, they come back to that theme. They put bookends on it. They, they, they wrap it up. We see this in, 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 in symphonies. We see this in operas. We see this in musicals over and over and over again, hitting on refrains, hitting on themes. We're getting near the end of, of the book of, of Romans, and I think that today where we're at in, in Romans 15 is actually in some ways kind of the end of the book. And it seems strange that I would say that because there's still some more of chapter 15 and a chapter 16, but, but to me, this is the part where Paul kind of wraps up his point. And there's still more stuff. There's stuff that we're going to study. There's stuff that I believe is God-inspired and God-breathed and very useful to us. But to me, what comes after today's text is kind of like the, the, the P.S., or it's kind of like an extra long conclusion, outro to the letter. Or perhaps it's like, you know, I don't know if some of you have the same spiritual gift that, that I have. It's like Paul hit send on the biblical email and forgot to put on the attachment. And so then he has to go back after chapter 15 and say, oh, wait, here are these things that I kind of forgot to send you. Here you go. Sorry, you know, you know, winky face. I don't know how God's going to use that spiritual gift in my life, but I pray that he does use it for his glory because I exercise it all the time. Pretty much any time I have an attachment to send. Today, Paul hits on his refrain. And the refrain that, that Paul hits on, he hits on it in a very jazz-like way. He hits it on it in a very rhythmic way. He hits on it in a very poetic way. He says things that we are used to hearing him say. He, he ends his train of thought similarly to how he began his train of thought back in Romans 1 that we were looking at all the way back in August. And I think that he is asking a similar question to that which John Coltrane was asking, which is, what is or who is this love supreme? What does it look like in the world? What's it look like in our lives? What is it trying to achieve? What is this love supreme wanting to do? Romans 15, beginning in verse 7, Paul starts to spell it out for us very concisely, very tightly in a rapid fire fashion, where he ties together many themes of scripture into this one big idea. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. This love supreme, what does it look like? This love supreme is for what is for everybody. Paul talks about it as he talked about it at the beginning of Romans and throughout Romans. The door of God, that pathway of salvation, it's open to all of us. It does not care what our backgrounds are. It does not care what our previous habits are. It does not care what we look like on the outside. The grace and the glory of Jesus Christ, that forgiveness of sins, the opportunity to dwell with God for all eternity, that is an invitation that is open to all of us. That is a love supreme. And if God is saying that I'm going to throw open the door for all people, then all people better be gathering in the name of God here on this earth, pretending the kingdom, singing praises to the name of that God, because if 
that is the love supreme, then we are the ones that need to be hitting on that refrain over and over and over again. When we walk down the street in our homes, in our communities, in our private times, and in our public times, dun, 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 that is the song that people should be hearing. So that when they look at our existence from beginning to the end and all the way through the middle, they say, I know what that person is about. And that person is about spreading the good news of God. Just as God has been exercising that good news, that faithfulness, throughout all generations and throughout all history. Paul goes on to give some specific examples about how this love supreme has played out throughout history. And he hits it quick. The interesting thing about these examples that Paul gives is as he pulls them out of the Old Testament, they're all poetic. They're all poetic. If you flip through your Bible and if you follow through, you go after chapel and you look at all of these cross references in a lot of your Bibles, it will be formatted. So it's not in, in block formatting, but it's, it's, it's in this poetic stanzas. It's in these poetic stanzas. And so to me, like right now, what Paul's doing is Paul is finally hitting his stride. Paul's finally hitting his crescendo. He is that jazz artist who throughout Romans has mastered all of the basics and he's mastered all of the chord structures. And now at the end, he's whipping it up into a frenzy and he's doing a little bit of freestyling, but he's not doing a freestyling in the sense that he's making it up. He's doing a freestyling in the sense that he is so comfortable with the parameters of his surroundings that, 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 that he's so inspired that all he can do is just play the song that God has given him to play. And there's a sense in which it's a remix on an old tune, but, but, but it sounds new and it inspires us and hopefully it pleases and quickens and delights our very spirits. In verse 9, Paul says this, And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Those are not the words of Paul. Those are the words of the psalmist. Way back in our Bibles, back in the middle of our Bibles, in Psalm 18, verse 49, Paul is pulling out scripture where, where, where the psalmist is talking about what it looks like for God to be victorious in the world. And it's not simply about some kind of military conquest. It's not about people living uh, paralyzed in fear. It's not just about people groups surrendering. What is it? It's about, it's about that people will confess that the Gentiles, that everybody is going to sing praises to the name of God. And as hard as that was for, for the Jews and the Jewish Christians at this point in time in the New Testament to really grapple with and think about and to live with, it was even harder when the relationship between Gentiles and Jewish people in the Old Testament was oftentimes a matter of life and death when there was not a lot of integration because all there was was, was was war. And all there was was strife, and all there was was conquering. And God was saying, no, 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 even now, even in this time, I'm going to make a new way, and I'm going to make a fresh way, and I'm going to make a way of peace where we're not just simply going to wipe out everybody who does not bow before me. We're not just going to wipe out everybody who doesn't believe the same things that you believe or follow the same laws that you follow. No, 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 we're going to figure out a way how to invite them into this 
thing. And it's not going to be some kind of Cold War standoff where we're looking at each other and we're saying, all right, just nobody move and nobody will get hurt. No, no, no. We are going to be harmonious. Everybody's going to be in this thing together. And so as far back as Psalm 18, God, the psalmist, is talking about what a love supreme looks like. What a love supreme looks like. In verse 10, Paul goes on to say, and again he says, meaning that here we go, we're hitting on the same theme, we're hitting on the same refrain again, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. We go even further back in scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. You have Moses, and Moses is up on on this mountaintop, and he's talking to the people. And the people are getting ready to go into the promised land. And you know what? Moses does not get to go into the promised land with the people. Moses had been disobedient to the Lord. And as part of his punishment, he got to look at what the people were going to get to experience, but he didn't get to go in. And man, if I was Moses, like, I kind of would have been a little bit pouty about it, which by nature is sort of my disposition. I get a little, like, pouty, a little emo about things. Um, but, but Moses, you know, if he did that, he did it in the privacy of his own home, away from where the people who were writing the Bible were paying attention and writing it down for all eternity. Um, but, you know, Moses, like, like, he really showed, I think, a lot of leadership, a lot of strength, and a lot of personal fortitude, because he didn't, he didn't just, like, pout it out. And he said, all right, y'all go have fun in the promised land. I'm just going to, like, sit up here on my mountaintop, wait for God to just scoop me up, I guess. I don't know, like, kick this rock and hope water comes out of it like the bad old days when I was sinning against God. That wasn't his deal, man. He was like, like look, look, here, he, he sang this hymn. And this hymn, it spans chapters. And it gives glory to the God who had to put some structure around Moses and who felt like, like Moses needed to experience the weight of his sin. And he had, he had to punish Moses. But Moses is like, okay, for real, like from the depths of my heart, good for y'all. Because God is going to do something amazing through you. And I went with you on this journey, and it was a long journey, and it was a hard journey. And in fact, y'all were kind of haters, and you didn't always help me out. But you know what? I stuck it out with you, and now I don't get to go in but at least I can bring you to the precipice. And in bringing you to the precipice, I might not be able to go in, but I can give you a vision for what you can accomplish and for what God can accomplish through you when you get to experience the goodness of his promises. And so even as the people are going into the promised land, and even as a lot of of what we think of the promised land is in terms of the good things that the people of Israel get to experience, there's this part where Moses is saying, look, there's something for you to rejoice about, O Gentiles, as well. And so, you know what, you guys might be set up against each other for a while, but something good is going to happen. There's something good on the horizon. And you're not just going to be jealous You're not just going to be content. You're just not going to be happy, but you are going to find joy. You are going to be able to rejoice. And that is the theme of what Paul is talking about in Romans. How do we all get to rejoice in the Lord together? Paul then speeds back up. Gets us up to Psalm 117 in verse 11. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And let all the people praise him. And then he hits us with the prophets in verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. And that part about Jesse, the root of Jesse coming, is very interesting because Paul talks about that almost verbatim in Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 
As Paul lays out the gospel, Paul understands the gospel to be this new thing, but he understands it to be a continuation of the work of God. And so even back when things were not going well for the people of Israel at all, at all in the book of Isaiah, there were promises for them. There were promises for how they would be blessed. There were promises for how the nations would be blessed. And Isaiah, in his prophetic word, knew that from the line of David, a redeemer would come. That from the line of David, the line of Jesse, salvation would come. And we get to the book of Matthew, and Matthew, and something that looks very boring, but is actually really fascinating when you dig into it in this genealogy, talks about how from the root of Jesse, the Savior, Jesus Christ, has come. And so the theme of what does this love supreme look like, it looks like Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of God's love. Jesus is the embodiment of God's faithfulness. Jesus is the apex, the culmination of of, of God's plan. And as Paul ends the meat of his letter, he's saying, look, turn your eyes to the refrain. Turn your eyes to the apex. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Because when we talk about what is the point of this whole thing? What is the point of this whole exercise? What's the point of us looking into ourselves and doing the uncomfortable work that we do in the book of Romans of dealing with our sin, of dealing with our inadequacy, of dealing with our brokenness, of dealing with our doubt? At the end of the day, what that needs to do is turn us toward the source of our fullness, and that is Jesus. And then Paul says, this, which is a very important word for us today because it's something that is sorely lacking in this world. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but hope, I think, is something that we could use a lot of these days. Hope is something that that, that speaks to the very depth of our discontents. Hope is something that that speaks to to our doubts when we feel like we are flailing in the wind. Hope speaks to the comeback. Hope speaks to the fact that we know, we understand that we cannot conquer the sin problem on our own. Hope speaks to us in our most desperate moments. And in our relationships with each other, I think a lot of times those do not tend to be hope-filled. And as we look into the future, we we are stuck in not knowing exactly how God is going to put all these things together to use them for our good and for his good. And so what we need is, is, is hope. And in our faith, some of us don't even have hope that we can even take the first step that God would accept us, that that we can do the things that Paul wants us to do in Romans. But what Paul says here is like, you don't even have to have it in yourself because the common refrain is that a love supreme is a love full of hope. That hope is something that defines who God is, that God is the God of hope and that he is the one who is going to fill us with joy, that he is going to be the one that gives us peace, that he is going to be the one who helps us believe in that hope, that power, that Holy Spirit, that is a thing that comes from God. I'll tell you what, man, John Coltrane, I would have to imagine that when he got fired, when he lost one of the best jobs in the world, traveling around the the, the country playing jazz music with Miles Davis, I'm going to bet that he did not have a lot of hope at that point. 
I don't think that on a daily basis you voluntarily or involuntarily, in the case of addiction, put yourself into a catatonic state if you have this deep-held belief that your situation and the things around you and the things inside of you can get better. I can't imagine anything darker than being in that cycle of addiction to the point where you are totally and literally just knocking yourself out on a regular basis, and you can't even value the amazing, rich, historic experience that you are in at the moment. However, John Coltrane was honest, and John Coltrane sought And eventually what he found was a bit of freedom because what he came to understood was that the love of God was all around him, that the love of God was extended to him, and that the love of God was was not some kind of cheap love. It was not some kind of love that is just thrown away. It was not disposable. It was not expendable, but that it was a love supreme John Coltrane wrote a poem that that went with his music. And, you know, this poem, like, um, the thing about artists is I think sometimes they they speak figuratively. And John Coltrane was not necessarily a theologian. He was an artist. And he was a person when he wrote this that was working some things out and trying to express some things. So I certainly, like the theologian part of me has some some quibbles with a couple of lines in in this poem. But one of the things that, that I think is important when we listen to art is that we listen to people's intent and we listen to them at where they are at in the journey. And in his journey at that point, John Coltrane said this about dwelling in a love supreme. I will do all I can to be worthy of thee, O Lord. It all has to do with it. Thank you, God. Peace. There is none other. God is. It is so beautiful. Thank you, God. God is all. Help us to resolve our fears and weaknesses. Thank you, God. In you, all things are possible. We know God made us so. Keep your eye on God. God is. He always was. He always will be. No matter what, it is God. He is gracious and merciful. It is most important that I know thee. Words, sounds, speech, men, memories, thoughts, fears, and emotions, time, all related, all made from one, all made in one. Blessed be his name. Thought waves, heat waves, all vibrations, all leads to God. Thank you, God. His way, it is so lovely. It is gracious. It is merciful. Thank you, God. One thought can produce millions of vibrations, and they all get back to God. Everything does. Thank you, God. Have no fear. Believe. Thank you, God. The universe has many wonders. God is all his way. It is so wonderful. Thoughts, deeds, vibrations, etc. They all go back to God and he cleanses all. He is gracious and merciful. Thank you, God. Glory to God. God is so alive. God is. God loves. May I be acceptable in thy sight. We are all one in his grace. The fact that we do exist is acknowledgement of thee, O Lord. Thank you, God. God will wash away all our tears. He always has. He always will. Seek him every day. In all ways, seek God every day. Let us sing all songs to God, to whom all praise is due. No road is an easy one, but they can return us back to God. With all, we share God. It is all with God. It is all with thee. Obey the Lord. Blessed is he. 
We are from one thing, the will of God. Thank you, God. I have seen God. I have seen ungodly. None can be greater. None can compare to God. Thank you, God. He will remake us. He always has and always will. It is true. Blessed be his name. Thank you, God. God breathes through us so completely, so gently. We hardly feel it, yet it is our everything. Thank you, God. Elation, elegance, exaltation, all from God. Thank you, God. Amen. I would love to have a conversation with John Coltrane. The amazing thing about A Love Supreme um, is that he only performed it live once, and he did no uh, recorded interviews regarding the, the, the work, the song. And I would love to, you know, someday sit down and just have a conversation with him. And in having that conversation, I would just say, you know what, man, like, like that is an amazing work. Because to me, what I see in that work, what I see in your poetry, what I see in your music is this foundation that you had growing up in the church. And if I were to, to talk to you about what a love supreme is, even as in your poetry, you are pulling out portions of scripture, I would say that that love supreme is Jesus Christ. I would say that, that love supreme historically has been a God who is called out to his people and not just the people that he set aside for a specific time, but all of us who were created in the image of God, all of humanity. And to borrow words from, from a current song that talks about what that love supreme looks like, I would say, you know what, Coltrane? You know what, Train Man? That love, you felt it in those vibrations. It crashes over you. Wave after wave because your God, he's for you. Our God, he is for us. He does not stand against us. Our God is the love supreme. Our God is the champion of heaven, and that is the love supreme. And our God has made a way for all of us to enter in. That is the love supreme. And as we have an opportunity to respond back to our God today, if you have never taken the opportunity to enter into what Jesus Christ has offered, I give you that opportunity today because that is the love supreme. And if there are times where you have entered into that and then you've strayed, come on back in. That is the love supreme. But as we think about the point of Romans, as we think about our lives, as we think about our hearts, as we think about this world, as we think about our God let us enter back into the embrace of the God who has faithfully pursued us, who has conquered death and sin and all things, because that is the love supreme.